1: The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony
0: Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport
1: Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, a former stock car racing crew chief. As well as a former competitor in NASCAR, he's also the cousin of 1990 Daytona 500 champion Derek Cope. His career as a crew chief began at the end of 1995 when he accepted a position at Jeff Bodine Racing. What followed were stints at Robert Yates Racing, the Wood Brothers' Kevin Harvick, Inc., and Richard Childress Racing in 2013. It was on to Junior Motorsports in the nationwide series to crew chief the number five car. In 2014, he was announced as the crew chief of the number nine driven by Chase Elliott. In 2015, he left Junior Motorsports to accept his current gig as the competition director at JTG Darty Racing, where things are going pretty darn well as they just won the 2023 Daytona 500 with driver Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And followed that up with a 12th-place finish at California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Ernie Cope. Ernie, say hi to Mike Wallace. Hey,
0: Mike. How's it going?
2: I'm doing well, Ernie. I think we're going to jump around. We understand you you got to catch a plane here shortly, so it's going to be a little uh, short version of what we normally do. But first of all, we got to go straight to the Daytona 500 and congratulate you and your team. And, man, that had to be just an overwhelming experience as a— in your position, your team to win the Daytona Five Hundred.
0: Yeah, that's that's it's huge. I mean, it's it's big. That's a, uh, I it's still hard for, for me to believe right now. And and Ricky's got, Ricky was leading with by five to go last year and got got crashed. Um, you just know how those things go at the end. Even though you're right there, you're like you're just waiting for something to happen. And he he always puts himself in a good position. He's he's extremely well speedway driver.
2: Yeah, well that's great there. We're going to speed things up because of your time. Tell us, take me way back, back into time, Ernie. Everybody's heard your name. They know who you are. You used to drive race cars. Then you become a a crew chief and, you know, just really, really good at at your trade. But when was the first recollection, right? Recollection. Recollection? Recollect. Yeah, that too. Uh, (laughs) Easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah, about being involved in motorsports. Where were you? What age were you? And how would you get started?
0: Uh right out of the womb. Uh right out of the womb. I, my, yeah, my my father and uncle built uh race engines on the west coast and they they both did uh drag racing and circle track. So when I was really young I spent as much time at the drag strip as we did uh circle track racing. And uh, then they got heavier in the uh, circle track stuff, late seventies, early eighties. And uh we've just we've been surrounded with it. And then a bunch of great short track racers in the Northwest, uh, Derek started driving like in 79 and his, his father and my father are on the engine business together.
2: Oh, okay. And All right.
0: Yeah. So when it was time for, uh, once I graduated high school, decided I was going to try giving it a whirl and, and did it for about eight and a half years. And then, you know, I was pretty good at working on them and, and doing the chassis stuff and, moved back to north carolina and done driving
2: <laughs> so so how do you just take yourself short version y- you you were going to become a driver right i mean that was the first thing that you were going to do was drive the race car
0: that's that's what i wanted to do yes absolutely
2: yeah and so what uh if i may say what or ask what happened there why yeah i mean you so, had some nice accolades out on the west coast uh rookie of the year most popular driver all those type of things and um uh, Tell me, tell me why it yeah. uh, maybe it didn't work.
0: Well, it I had a full intentions of trying to drive on the East Coast. And uh, uh, what happened was we're, I tried to build a truck to run uh, truck series and try running some of those races when they're on the West Coast because they used to do seven or eight on the West back in those days. So at the winter of 95, we built a truck and was going to run a little bit in 96. And we're at Portland Speedway. And uh, I remember Dave Resendiz drive drove for Jeff Bodine, and uh, they ended up crashing at Portland. And the next event was at Evergreen Speedway up in Monroe, which is just east of Seattle. And we're based in Tacoma, Washington, it was like right in the, right dead center in the middle between Portland and Seattle. So they asked if we had any shop space and uh, to help, you know, to work fix on their truck and and get it ready for Evergreen. So they did and hung out with those guys all week and. It was just myself and my father and Chuck Glenn, uh, guys who helped me since um, I started racing and working on my stuff. And we got our stuff all prepared. And And Danny Dias, I don't remember if you remember Danny. Uh, he was crew chief for Resendiz at the time. And
2: I, I do um, actually, yes.
0: Yeah, a good guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think he actually passed a few years back, but a uh, super good guy. Uh, total racer. And, and then, you know, he did... I had to build my own motors. That's the only way we could afford to do it, right? Couldn't afford to buy them. So we uh, maintained our own engines and worked on our own stuff. And went back from Portland. We pulled the motor out, you know, back the bearings. Cause I had one engine there for the – that was truck legal. And uh, changed valve springs, all that stuff. Did body work. And we get done, and uh, Danny, we go to the next track. And Danny stops me and goes, hey, I told Jeff Bodine about you, and he told me to hire you. I said – told him what about me he I told him he would do everything and you'd be perfect for a truck series blah 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 and I just had my son Blake and trying to race and I was like all I heard was pay, you know family insurance and all that stuff you know so I was like you know what you know what I got nothing to lose I'll go back and do it I'll bring my equipment back there and if I get a chance to race'll I'll race it
2: Oh, take wow. one so, thing at a time so you went from being wanting to be a race car driver to being offered a, a, some type of job position and and correct you, yeah and you took that and moved back here
0: yeah so oh, what okay. i did was i was actually uh start out as the engine tutor slash i set the trucks up kind of did everything then and uh back then he had to change after practice for the race he had changed valve spring so i did that every week and i set the set the trucks up in the shop and just did with back then everyone did whatever you had to do one day you're putting in crush panels one day you're uh wiring it uh next day you're setting it up you know so you never knew it was actually fun back then
2: yeah so did you uh may, maybe i have myself confused i could have swore i raced against you a few times so uh did you you, not, may, you may have i mean you, you may have you raced over here a little bit didn't you or now and then or i
0: did so i ran i ran i ran martinsville
2: okay
0: i ran a track at the end of the year at martinsville that year uh didn't do real well, but, uh, I ran, uh, when I went back out West, I got to run uh Mason Marin cause I, I ran there a bunch in uh Southwest tour car. Um, and then after that race, it was kind of way underfunded deal. And kind of, they had kind of had a home built motor, the whole thing. And I was like, that really opened my eyes to they around 25th all day, just driving as hard as you can drive. And I was like, I don't want to do it like this. <laughs> yeah. And it's too much like and, uh, work <laughs> and not but no, it was just like the chance of getting a good opportunity and, and and running uh running something that was just not good equipment and uh and not everyone tried that you know whatever it was just it wasn't i didn't want to drive that way yeah and so i decided you know what i'm just gonna i just kind of clicked i just clicked it off and says you know what i'm gonna raise a family and i'm pretty good at working on them and and I'm confident in it. So I just kinda I just like flipped the gears, sold all my stuff and never looked back.
2: Man, congratulations to you because most of us kind of try to die on the vine trying to hang on to that. Deal. You, you were, you were yeah. smart enough to just jump in and go, hey, I, I just go make a living this other with way. with your
1: strengths, yeah. Yeah. I
2: mean, just, yeah. You know, worked out. So uh, even though this isn't about you, I'm trying to. You mentioned Derek Cope in the start of the show. Who were the, the two sisters, the Cope twins, they used to say? Was that related that's, to you in any way? Or? They
0: were. That's uh, Derek's brother, Darren. Okay. Uh, that's or his daughters.
2: Okay. I was just curious. I was thinking about things on the show, and I thought, what, riding up here today, I thought, whatever happened to them? Where did they go? And
0: so, Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing these days. I but, uh, I don't do a good enough job keeping up with everybody. Just well, kind of do it. my own thing.
2: Takes too much work to keep you, track of everybody You might else. be a little
1: busy. <laughs>
2: you know, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't want want to lose this, but that got you back to the East Coast. So you are going to be a race car driver, didn't turn out quite the way you wanted. You're smart enough to go, you know what, I'm just going to raise a family. I'm going to get a job. I've been offered a position. So let's fast forward because, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to run out of time. And if we back up things, tell us in present day, exactly to, to this day over JTG, because I mean, my gosh, you guys just won the Daytona 500. And I believe you you have a general manager slash vice president of competition title. What does that entail? How do what do you have to do with the race team that allowed that race team to win the Daytona Five uh,
0: Hundred? I run all the day to day. whether it's uh, well, budget, uh, what parts we get, uh, setting up our alliances. We this year we set up we got an alliance with HMS, which without that you know that that made a huge difference in. You see these first two races, we are more competitive than we ever did.
2: And HMS is Hendrick Motorsports, we're referring
0: to. Hendrick Motorsports, correct. So we had – which you met him, uh, uh, Gordon Smith. Yes. Bought in the company a few years ago, and he became involved, and he took over the competition side where Tad is always really good on the marketing side. So Tad concentrated on marketing. Gordon uh, uh, concentrated on competition. So – Gordon Gordon runs the race team side. Tad runs the marketing and advertising side. So I work on a daily basis with Gordon. What? And he, he just kind of gives me a free hand of uh, – and, and I love it. He was like, what do we need to do to get better? And I was like, you know, we need, we're need we trying to do this by ourselves, single-car team. We need a good alliance. Chevrolet's been good to us. And I just like being loyal and sticking with one person, you know, and I, I feel good. And we put it all together, and uh, that was – so a big turn point is him coming in and and just and just the question what, what do we need to do actually we were having dinner we saw you uh at dinner that night when we we're kind of going over what do we need to do to get better meetings
2: well i, I guess we we laid some good voodoo over top <laughs> we, <laughs> that's right that's right we did yeah yeah well we through that conversation you made some decisions and uh here you won the daytona 500 but so you know that's a really unique position i've never uh i met gordon i remember talking to the man very nice gentleman you, you were very nice to introduce us where did he come from where i mean you don't hear of a lot of race teams that have a multitude of partners and especially in this situation where one says look i'll take care of the competition you guys go find the money and handle the marketing and all the other sizzle that goes how, how did that come about do you
0: know well he's uh he's from hawaii he uh a business guy. He was in oil tankers and barges and tugboats. He come from that industry. And uh, he, uh, I, I know he was friends with Landon Castle. I'd rather have him tell his story exactly to get it right. I don't want to mess it up. But uh, he, well, he helped Landon you, out, You'll have and, to help Landon him up on the, the show one
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> I will.
0: Yeah. I will. Matter of okay. fact, I will. Uh, I know he's, he was helping Landon. They had a mutual friend. And then Gordon, he just ended up loving the race and decided he wanted to uh, buy into a team. And I believe Kel Wells, uh, who Gordon's friends with, uh, told me, you know what? I think there's an opportunity at JTG that they're looking for a partner. And like I said, I don't want to get the story wrong, Yeah. but I, I believe that's how it all come to be.
2: I'm sure you had a pretty good handle on what the story actually is. Yeah, but I
0: hate telling someone else's because I, I don't want to leave stuff out or speak. Speaking incorrectly,
2: yeah, well, it gives us opportunity, especially
0: my bosses. <laughs> I don't want to screw up my bosses.
2: And let's let's put it this way you want just won the Daytona 500, you bought yourself a year, okay? <laughs> you, would,
0: you, you would think, that's right? That's right? If I
2: got a, got a free pass, <laughs> yeah, you have a free pass, you're in the play. What does that mean for a team like yours to g- g- know that you're in the first round of the playoff already? That, yeah, oh, I mean, is, is that something that you guys like? after you get over the excitement of winning the Daytona 500 and all the accolades that come along with that, I mean, then do you look at each other and go, Holy crap, guys, we're in the first round of the playoffs already. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's exactly it. You know, unless some freak thing happens where there's 17 winners and I mean, you never know as close to that happening last year. Yeah. But that's why we're like right now, we're kind of figuring, you know what? We're not in, we got to be consistent. And and, and at least run the top, try running the top fifteen every week. So we kind of checked that box at California, and we had opportunities to do better in that even this weekend. And uh, but we're we're happy. We're just solid. We're in the mix. Good. The whole day, kind of kind of stumbled on pit road there on our last stop there. But it's all right. We all. It was just a good solid day.
1: We're talking to longtime NASCAR crew chief, director of competition for JTG Darty Racing, Ernie Cope. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. It's Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're talking to Ernie Cope today. And once again, here's Mike Wallace.
2: So I I got a question. Rich, our producer sitting through the other window here, asked a little bit. So what does your race team do between now and Vegas and Phoenix? Does everybody stay out in California, or does everybody come back this way, or half the team stay out there? What goes on that the average race fan would know?
0: Well, I've done it about every which way, and I found out the best. So what we did, we made our Vegas car our backup for California. And as long as we didn't destroy the California car, it was going to be the backup for Vegas. And we had another car ready to get sent out to to meet us in Vegas if we needed to. We didn't. We had no damage on our California car, so all the guys went home. Uh, they stayed about an hour afterwards, got you know the, the air conditioning out, and take the shocks and springs off it, and uh, had to pull the wrap off the the car that's going to be the Vegas primary because it had a California wrap on it. Um, oh,
2: so you had the Vegas wrap underneath the the backup car wrap, is that what you're saying?
0: Correct. Oh, yes, wow. correct. Yeah, that's
2: pretty cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, and then uh boy, so you, should California have, you should have
2: took your rental car and got it all. If you could have pulled the old the new wrap off and wrapped your rental car and taken it back, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have been good, huh? Yeah. If you yeah, ever think about, think about that, if
2: you ever have to do that again, think about that. tell the guys, yeah. let's take an extra half hour and take them back a rental car wrapped
1: (laughs) yeah that'd be good. Jeff's
2: even laughing on that one he's thinking that might be a good idea I'm getting a visual (laughs) (laughs) with the wrinkles from the tear marks (laughs) yeah So, so what does the average and I kind of got confused there again so what is your average day you say you're in charge of everything in competition so Apparently you're still in California or you're somewhere going to catch a flight this morning because we're going to shorten this show. So I
0: had, I had some other business got to take care of right here, but the rest of the the team flew back last night. And, uh, I mean, my say in charge, Mike Kelly is the crew chief. Yes. I just, my, my job is I just try giving him what he needs. That's, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a ramming down your throat dictator or nothing and just try to give him what he needs within our budget. And, uh, that's kind of, where I see myself, there, organized meetings, and uh, just make sure everyone's communicating, and everybody's getting what they need. Yes, as, as far as on the competition side.
2: So, Mike Kelly is the crew chief. Does he de- yeah. does he have an idea what he wants, or does he say, yeah. "Hey, Ernie, give me what you got. Let's see where we're at," or does he come to you and go, "No, Ernie, this is the way I need it," and just yeah, prep no. the cars and send them over here for me, and we'll go from there.
0: No, so we're, you know, the way it is now. It's not. It used to be like. 20 years ago the crew chief dictated everything right he decided what shocks and springs you're running and arrow and all so we got a tristan smith i think you've worked with tristan in the past when he was at Finch's. um he's our vehicle dynamics guy so he pretty much does all the vehicle dynamic part of it and christian slunt's our arrow guy so he does the arrow stuff and then mike kelly being the crew chief he, you know, he's, he's into it. He's digging with them too. And they're all talking about it. And, uh, it's kind of a community effort deal. And then, uh, Mike's, Mike's really good at being organized, getting a game plan and uh, the experience. And that's why I like having a, uh, a racer that's been around being a crew chief. I know a lot of guys have went the engineer out, which is fine, but I like saying master cylinder goes bad. I want, I want someone that has experience, knows how to fix, you know, troubleshoot a, issue also.
2: Sure, sure. So just because Jeff tell t- tell Ernie how many people listen to the show.
1: Well Ernie, the whole world is listening. So, you know, I mean that's that's a lot of folks. So <laughs>
0: that's the entire world. Okay, I got that's a lot of listeners.
2: Yeah, world. Entire world. So what is a veal what did you say a vehicle dynamic dynamic? Or what did you
0: just say? the vehicle dynamics is yes. like as far as uh uh, pivot points for upper and lower control arms, uh, uprights. Like, they used to be spindles; they call them uprights now. Uh, just the geometry, the front and rear geometry. All, it's all four independent now. We used to have a, what they call truck arms and a, and a solid axle. Now it's four-wheel independent suspension. So not only do you have the, we saw say, you know the front pivot points. Now we got rear pivot points, and shocks and springs, it's more or less all the stuff that's trying to make the tires grip right trying mm-hmm. to put the car on the racetrack, cambers, caster, tow, all that stuff is the vehicle dynamic part of it. And then the aero guy, he's, and they, Tristan and Christian both work close together. So they, you know, get an aero balance with the mechanical balance put together. So he'll decide, you know what, our, the un, we got an underwing now. So, which is way more powerful than the outer. So that's, he says that every week and uh, goes, we got a Hawkeye at the shop. Just like they tech with, so you know you got to make sure you're maxed out, taking everything that, where you want it uh, before it leaves the shop.
2: So, a Hawkeye is that the fans that are listening know that's like the, the part of the room of doom, right? You roll it in there and it's got all these cameras that measure everything. Is that how that, that unit works?
0: Correct. Correct. So, that came out to be, I'm going to say five, six years ago, maybe four. We used to use templates, they used to have. I bet you 35 inspectors and you had all the different stations they'd use handheld aluminum templates to go through tech inspection. And it was kind of, uh, the mercy of what kind of mood they're in. And, uh, you know, th- you know, oh, that's no good. Or, you know, they called what they had red, blue and green, red was like 70,000. So I think blue was a hundred and I don't remember green was like a half an inch or a quarter inch or something. And, uh, if they have what they call a no no go no go gauge, so if the if it was red and red went under, which was the seventy thousands went under their template, you had to fix it, and it was a matter of how they held it and versus how they held it versus how you held it. Now it's all camera, so it takes it all out. You put it in there, it shoots the room, uh, shoots takes all these pictures, and uh, displays the image, and it, it's it's black or white. It's either. You either pass or you fail.
2: Boy, that that throws away the old days of buying a guy a round of drinks or dinner the night before, doesn't it? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it did. It does. Yeah. And
0: it's, yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: the guys anymore, you can't even buy them off exactly. like they used to.
0: No, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's and we've all done that too. And back in the past, so but no, that no more. Yeah. <laughs> so after
2: your all the dynamics, everybody preps the car, and you got the car that agreed that this is what we're going to race, then you have a chassis shop or an assembly shop, I guess. Is there a chassis shop anymore or is it just an assembly shop?
0: Just an assembly shop. It's uh, don't hang bodies. You know, like I say, it used to be car factories. Now it's uh, you buy the parts and you bolt them on. You just Mm. got to decide where you're going to bolt them on to.
2: Yeah. So uh, I've listened to everybody over the last year and a quarter here, a year and whatever, year and a start, we'll say it that way talk about these parts and pieces for these race cars and uh i believe we were talking to richard childress two weeks ago we had richard on the show and just to let you know too ernie jeff and i have done some statistical studies and normally if once you come on our show and you just won but expect another win in the next month because okay when
1: you appear (laughs) when you appear on this show good things happen now you just won the Daytona 500 a couple of weeks ago. Good race in California. So you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> okay. Well, that's but, good. But good things will happen. Yes. So I was. Uh, we
2: had Richard Childress on. And I was talking about the story of uh, these new cars. And uh, I remember Richard telling me years ago, he goes, man, I'm just tired of NASCAR trying to save me money. I just, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather us just do it ourselves. <laughs> And I says, and I says, I'm sure they saved you money on this car, and there was no hesitation. And Richard's an all NASCAR guy, you know, and he's like, not yep. one bit. I cannot believe how expensive these cars have got, you know. So, yeah. uh, does that affect the way you guys race? I mean, did it? Has it done anything that it, you really? And I'm not looking for you to condemn anything. I'm just asking for some facts. Yeah. Is, sure. is it a good thing for the race teams this new car, or do we know yet?
0: I think it's still out there. I mean, that takes a lot less people to do it. And is that the best way to save money? I don't know. I mean, it affects a lot of folks.
2: Are you spending money uh, in other places? Are you spending more money? for cars? a car.
0: (laughs) The cars. Yeah. yeah. They're brutally expensive. And supposedly we'll see how it goes out. They said, uh, three to five years. It's it'll start paying dividends. So
1: Hmm.
0: we'll see.
2: There you go. So, So, so as the cars we're getting back to the final prep because you're in charge of all that you get you went through all your dynamic your chassis set up when the car is sitting there are you is the car sitting there blank or do you already know what the wrap going on in that car and I sh- assume that's tad Gashaer side
0: uh, yes yep yeah, that's that's tad and his group uh they're that's their whole deal i'm not I don't even i have nothing to do with any of that um uh, that's that's totally their deal and they do a good job of have a paint on the car every week. Have, okay. Have a sponsor, so that's that's kind of his his wheelhouse.
2: Yeah. So a little history. We were talking about Jeff's a big sports fan here. He does television on, radio on football and basketball. So big baseball fan. I love golf. Yeah.
1: And I watched flag to flag coverage of the race yesterday. So there you go. Yeah so (laughs) i I clearly have no life (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) so as we all know brad doherty over the years he's been around the racetrack forever and ever i want to you know there's been a lot of press and publicity this week about brad being one of the first minority or the first minority car owner is brad still involved in ownership of jtg i don't haven't seen or heard much about it or
0: he he is he's he has a I'm not exactly exactly sure how it's all split up but I, he he has a stake in it.
2: Mm-hmm. And did you does uh some something like the Daytona 500 did you get a did you or the team or group get a call from him or did you show up to the shop and go, "Boys, hell of a job, man." That's
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, man. I talk to Brad all the time. I okay. uh, I talked to him before or after and trust me when things ain't going good he's the first one to call hey what we got going there (laughs) (laughs) i
2: I had that opportunity to fly back with brad a couple times on my brother rusty's plane brad sat in the back or we both sat there and man what a a cool dude he is had an incredible nba career and then uh just really loves racing as well really loves racing Uh, he
0: does and he's just uh he's just even outside of racing just talking to him i mean he's got a great personality and he's 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 funnier than heck too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, and him telling stories i mean he's he's very uh just very entertaining and good guy to talk too
2: well great well ernie uh, jeff i don't know what do you we're, we're, he's well, on it's, a it's, short it's, time it's, schedule here so. you,
1: yeah you've got a, a hop on an airplane but uh you've got this week and then and then we're racing in vegas uh this coming weekend so what do you expect when you get there yep. and, and you know what's vegas going to be like for uh, for your team
0: for our team right now, we just want to keep building on how it started. I mean, just be competitive like we have been the last two weeks. And uh, I, I feel like utilizing the help we're getting from HMS is surely getting us a closer closer starting spot for sure. Um, help
2: help so, me with um, that help from HMS. And I, we only got a couple of minutes so we can talk about it. But what what kind of support, How did, what do they do to help you other than build good motors, I presume? But what else do you get from them? People ask well, all the time, what is a technical alliance?
0: It is. They give you recommendations of uh, chassis setups and arrow. Just they just get you they get you information. I mean you still gotta make your decisions based on the information they give you. They don't come over, you know, they don't come over and set your car up, but they give you they guide you in the right way. It's like like when we started getting the information, it's like you didn't know what you didn't know. So it's been and we've had a great relationship. We've been getting engines from since 2018 and it's been a great relationship and um it's it, this is even making us this is going to take us hopefully we can be become more consistent and we haven't even really talked to outside i've i've been on a, f- a few sh- radio shows stuff i've never mentioned anything about the alliance before because it's just um, one of those deals we just kind of don't talk about it we'll just go in there and hopefully we get better then we can people ask hey well what was the difference yeah and that's between gordon coming on and making sure we're getting what we need and being able to spend the extra money to to get in an alliance with them and it's been great
2: well that's good to hear and, and congratulations i mean you hear about alliances all the time jeff you know but and i've heard, heard a couple teams that transferred what i could they shouldn't say transfer ch- changed their alliance over the winter because they didn't feel like they were getting enough support from the alliance they had already so
0: absolutely yep yeah. and i've been part of those situations. i've been on the team that was given the support and when you're the one giving it you're like man we don't want to give all our stuff away i got
2: you and i
0: get that too on their side and then uh, i've been on one where you you weren't getting what you needed and then like right now i've i, I got no complaints it's been phenomenal
1: well
2: sounds good ernie we know you got a flight to catch Jeff, you got anything for Ernie? You need to get out of
1: him. I'm good, Uh, Ernie. Good luck in Vegas uh, this weekend and for the rest of the season too. I hope you guys uh, continued success. You know. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate it, guys.
2: Okay, just to let you know, you
1: you owe us 30 minutes.
0: (laughs) I do. I'd love to come back, and I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know it's like a. Uh, No, I should have looked into what the venue was. uh, Yeah, this is a war. I said their flights and everything here, and I was like. uh, I thought it was like a 10, 15 minute radio calling show tonight. And I thought, like, When you're talking about segments, I thought, how long is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, well. Sorry about that. This is a
1: world but show. I definitely owe you one. <laughs> yeah.
0: Worldwide. You didn't, world-
1: you didn't know it was a life story kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. Yeah.
2: Well, Ernie, thank you very much. Congratulations to you and your team on the Daytona 500 win and much success for the remainder of the season.
1: All
0: right, well, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you. 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 You're
1: listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We just had a very nice conversation with Ernie Cope, who is the director of competition at JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, tremendous success as a crew chief throughout his career. Uh, he's getting ready to hop on a flight and head back east after the race in California yesterday, Mike. But, uh, hey, congratulations, Kyle Busch, on that win yesterday in California. And the fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace feather in your cap continues wow. because Richard Childress was on the show two weeks ago. Richard talking about their, you know, his new relationship with his generational driver, Kyle Busch. They did well at Daytona, got wrecked late, and they won the race in California.
2: Well, it's because, Jeff Kent, you will you make them aware that the whole world is listening.
1: You <laughs> if, know? if you're a guest on this show, good things will happen.
2: It sure seems that way, doesn't it? We've had a good good string of people that we've had as a guest have, have uh, nice things happen to so them. So I
1: found myself being happy for Richard Childress, though. Yes. You know what I mean? After talking to him a couple of weeks ago and what, uh, what they went through— You know, that had to have been a huge decision to go out and recruit Kyle Bush. And it's paying dividends already. I mean, you know, they're back in victory lane. Richard looked pretty stoked.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say he was stoked. And I was, uh, you know, how we all gather our information is talking to people that we know or you hear things or just listen to a television broadcast. And I was, uh, you know, with our interview with Richard, uh, and, and go back and catch that if you haven't, it was. It's really exciting that Austin Dillon, his grandson, said, "Hey, Papa, <laughs> w- what do you think about if we call Kyle Bush? And right in that, how he said it, and it's yeah. like, "Well, you handle it. You get it together. The wives set up like the meeting, and end. yeah, set up the meeting, and we'll uh, we'll meet at the airport, right. the, the Lexington Airport, that way well, nobody knows that we're in this conversation." And uh, I heard. Uh, Clinton Boyer make a comment during the television broadcast during the race of going, well, Popo might have had to come out of his pocket a little bit to make this whole deal work. You think? And I just thought that was really cool because
1: it was like. But they did bring up the, hey, hold my watch thing, too. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they we, did. They yeah. talked about that. I mean, that, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, think about the relationship that Richard Childress has with Kyle Bush now versus then. You yeah. know, I mean, he wanted to beat his ass. yeah,
2: when when you tell somebody, you pull off your Rolex and look at your Danny Lawrence and go, "Here, hold my watch. I don't want to break my watch when I hit him,
1: but they they pulled it off. and I'm, I got to be honest with you, too. I've never been a huge fan of Kyle Bush. I appreciate his his driving skills and whatnot. I mean he's he's a great driver. But I, you know, just me personally, I've never been a big fan. Um, but he seems different to me. His demeanor, uh, there was a pre-race interview. That was very good, and they asked him a lot of these type questions. And then in, in, in the post race, I mean, you know.
2: Well, well what do they say, Jeff? And I am I think you um, – I think it's every sport, every business, every category of business this way. When you think you're really good, you might have a little bit of cockiness or arrogance to you, right? Not a doubt. Yeah, and you deserve that. And sometimes you deliver it in the wrong
1: way, but you got to have confidence in your ability. And I think he's done that over the years. He's and, delivered it the wrong way. Well, but, you know, maybe maybe he's humbled a bit.
2: Yes, I I believe he has. And uh, I was shocked yesterday. There was no booze
1: for Kyle Bush winning or there was all cheers. Again. You know, and it's now like granted really they're in California and those people are all nuts anyway. But, yeah. and, and and it looked like a great crowd, by the way. The grandstand was full.
2: What well, do you do you realize what all those race fans put up with out there in California to watch those races this weekend? Well, it was cold. Listen to this. Friday it's <laughs> raining, right? Yeah. I, I've seen pictures, team members sending me pictures of them going through tech. It's pouring down Raining. They're, they canceled the major league soccer game in Los Angeles this event that event like every event got canceled because of going to have to, torrential downpours that can't even say that word <laughs> torrential and uh <laughs> but NASCAR's going no we're going to keep doing it so they they get out on Saturday and I me mean, then it starts snowing on Saturday right Did right? you see the
1: snow in the yeah. hills in the background that's, that's pretty cool
2: and uh the race fans The people were interviewing them. They go, nope, this is the last race. And what they mean by the last race, they're going to tear up the two-mile California Speedway as we know it. Right. And they're going to construct a half-mile racetrack on that course using the front straightaway. And
1: I don't know how they're going to do it from there. but uh, Well, they sold a bunch of land. Yeah. So that land will be developed. So they made money, you know, in the transaction. And then they're going to build a short track, which I guess will be open in a couple of years. They won't race there next year. Okay. Maybe not in twenty twenty five. Maybe maybe it'll be done by then. I don't know. But they're
2: They may gave up on the whole deal. What'd they say? Five hundred and fifty nine million dollars for for the four hundred and some acres and they got another hundred? What's that ad? That could be seven hundred and some
1: million if they sold it all off. A lot of Benjamins. Yeah. Money. That's yeah. a lot of money. That's a, so anyway, that's it's on to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh you gotta think you gotta like Kyle Bush's chances in Vegas too, because He's from Vegas. That's his hometown. And, uh, you know,
2: his – I don't want to forget because the race was after the cup race. Normally it's before. And some cup drivers normally run the Xfinity Series race just to get a feel for it and make a few extra bucks. But uh, John Hunter Nemechek in a JGR car, Joe Gibbs Racing Car, won the Xfinity race. So you had Kyle Busch, who used to be a JGR. And so those teams both have dominant records there. And they got good records at Vegas. I would say that uh, when you think that Kyle Busch is rolling into um, Vegas with so much momentum on his side that he'll out-psyche him if he doesn't right. him. Without
1: a doubt, yeah. and the crowd's going to be behind him because they, you know because he's yeah. a hometown guy. That's his home track. So yeah, yeah I, like- I, I look for big things for uh, for RCR and. Uh, Kyle Bush this weekend at Vegas yeah yeah
2: I'd like to compliment the Lucas Oil people too they that's the first time they've been on a winning cup car they've been on a car quite a bit they sponsored me about years ago when I drove from Morgan McClure and um uh, they won a race. They won. it's a big deal. So Forrest Lucas and Charlotte Lucas and all those guy, guys and gals over there, congratulations on putting that name so predominantly on the RCR winning California car. The crazy part is their headquarters, believe it or not, is 15 miles down the road from California Speedway over in Corona, California. I thought they're from Indiana. Well, originally they were, they, but they moved it all to Corona, California, and uh, and I you I am gonna, you are going to correct me on that because they recently announced they were going to close the corona location and move it all back to indiana, to, to indiana. but they were indy california up until just a few months ago yeah.
1: indiana wants me Indiana but i can't go back there yeah. it's a song <laughs> <laughs> all right once again we'd uh, like to thank ernie cope for joining us ernie is a long time nascar crew chief uh, he is the director of competition at JTG Darty Racing, right
2: there in Harrisburg, North Carolina. Yeah, it's cool. You can just drive over to your shop, go in there if you want to take a tour. But uh, let's talk about just as we finish the show up the Daytona 500. What did you think about that? Did you enjoy it? You I watch?
1: thought the I thought the first half of the race was relatively boring, and and it was. I mean, there were no cautions, and then it was on. Yeah. After that, so yeah, the the second half of the race was. Exciting as hell. So I'm going to ask you this question that I hear a lot of
2: people asking, in, you know, this this new race car, does it put on good races?
1: Any better than what we used to I see think years so. ago? so. So far, I'd have to say yes. You know, the, the thing that I heard uh, being commented on yesterday in California was uh, a couple of cars bounced off the wall or just rubbed, you know, like the old Darlington stripe. Not, not really slammed the wall, but they said... That With this new car, there wouldn't be – it minimizes the damage. So if you'd have done that, made that same move, brushed the wall in the old car, you'd have body damage, potential tire rub, all that. And this next-gen car holds up better when something like that happens. So –
2: so it keeps you more in the race all the time. Those those fiber bodies. Do you understand they're, what they're talking about? Though? Yeah, I do understand. So They're composite bodies. Composite meaning they're made of a material different than steel. So they got flexibility. Uh, old terms would be a fiberglass body, but it's so different than fiberglass, it's unreal. It's it's uh, kind of reminds you of a pli- strong but pliable milk container. You know, a plastic milk container. Yeah, you push yeah. it out, it pops out. Does, and that's what the body panels are made of.
1: So they're somewhat flexible.
2: To some degree, to some degree. Uh, The only thing that uh, I hear teams wishing they could do is when they do receive damage, because they are so expensive. The body components are very, very expensive. They would like NASCAR to come up with a legalized fixing system, repair, like a body repair kit. Because NASCAR says, no, you can't fix it. You can't do nothing to it. If it's broke, tore up, got a gouge in it, you got to put a brand new body panel on. Really? Well, them brought, every brand new body panels in is in the thousands not the hundreds what, what happened to the old 200 mile an hour tape only good for race time <laughs> only good for race time as they say and so uh, but they say you go to some of these race shops and uh the guys are holding on to the tails and the noses because they just know someday somebody's gonna come up with a fix and they're gonna agree to let them start fixing this stuff and they got hundreds of thousand dollars worth of body components in a pile that right now are junk but they're hoping they can uh revisit that at a later day and uh make them all work
1: it's all about the bottom line mike well the bottom line and the bottom line is once again there was a good crowd at california yesterday daytona was sold out uh the ratings uh, the crowds were bigger on average last year so nascar may be headed in the right direction
2: it looks that way, doesn't it? I'm, I think so. Yeah. I'm I'm glad we're part of it. Get to talk about it a little bit. Absolutely race fans, drivers and uh we're we're seeing that upward movement. There's a lot of great races coming up this year. We got uh You know, right around the area where we all live at North Wilkesboro is coming back. That's uh, been in the
1: local news a lot. They've been showing the building progress and all of the video footage that I see looks amazing. Yeah, so that is, and that's just a couple of months away. That's coming up in May, right? And then we, uh, you know, they got the.
2: the the Chicago Street course, which nobody knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of people, a lot of humor involved. I think we've had this on uh, Off Air talking about some – extracurricular events that you could add to the course, like a a shooting zone at one end with paintballs or something as the cars come by. Well, that may be
1: slightly (laughs) politically incorrect, but I believe we did have that conversation. (laughs) Call it an extreme NASCAR section of the racetrack where you you got bullets being fired at you. Welcome to Chicago, boys. We'll
2: use paintballs, okay? (laughs) Have at it. And it (laughs) depends. The the guys on the other side are shooting. Whoever gets the most cars gets, like, (laughs) some trophy or something. (laughs) So... Now we're getting carried away a little bit, but I think all in all, the we've had two <laughs> weeks of racing. We've had good races all the way through. We've um, we, we at California, at Daytona, we've seen that they still crash in the middle of the back straightaway while you're leading the race. That's <laughs> nobody in the back gets tore up, but the guys up front. So that all turned out well. We've had weather delays and time delays on all these events, but excited for Vegas. I'm going to
1: watch it. How about you? Absolutely. Okay, I will be there once again watching the race this weekend. Hey, we hope you enjoyed our segment with Ernie Cope, Director of Competition, JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, We wish those guys the best. And uh, enjoy the conversation, Mike. Once again, you've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.